Jesus Christ heals on the Sabbath day and they're upset about it. The religious people are ticked off. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV as we look at Luke chapter 13. I think this is fascinating. We'll study that in about five minutes. Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? All right, well, today I'm looking ahead a few chapters to Jesus's crucifixion and wondering why he had to die in the manner that he did. All right, that's very good. Look forward to that. Uh, now, what did you do? What do we have? It's Friday. That means we have a question. And let me put my glasses on so I can see. I'm going to ask a question anywhere from Luke chapter 1 all the way through to Luke chapter 15. So be ready. Hope you've done your reading this week. And we'll open the question to everybody. Everyone. Brian is here. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk in a minute. Uh, in 20 minutes time about the church and a few other things. So it's going to be a good day. Let's open up our Bible and look at what God is saying to us as we begin to study his word. Luke 13, 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath Loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Luke chapter 13, 14, and 15. That's what we read as we go through the Bible today. And you know, the Sabbath day is a place in Scripture by God at the beginning of creation, Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Even before the law of Moses was given, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, the Sabbath was established by God himself so that man would learn to rest and give honor to the Lord. Six days of work and one day of Sabbath rest. Now, in the book of Acts, after the Lord died and rose again, his disciples came together on the first day of the week. Acts chapter 20, verse 7, which is one of the reasons Christians gather on Sunday instead of the Jewish Sabbath of Saturday. Nevertheless, the day of rest was prescribed by the Lord for man to rest. This day is for God to do whatever is good, whatever is holy and right. While teaching on the Sabbath in one of the synagogues, 
Jesus heal a woman. And the ruler of the synagogue took great offense to this healing. And he claimed that the woman could have been healed on any of the six days of work, but should not be healed on the Sabbath. What did Jesus say? Very interesting. You know, these rules and regulations that we often cite when we are people who believe in the Bible are interesting because we don't serve, Christians who follow Christ don't serve rules and regulations. Let me get this straight. Christians don't follow rules and regulations. We follow the person, Jesus Christ, who lived according to what God wants. And that seems to be how we live, which Jesus lived according to the law. So we don't serve the law, we serve Jesus Christ. That becomes very important. And we'll talk about this when we get into the book of Romans after the book of Acts. But take your Bible guide and turn today as we look at God heals on the Sabbath day. And uh, Father, I pray today as we do this, that you would speak to people and help them during the time of this economic chaos and everything going on. Keep the people warm and help them, Lord, and help others to be responsive to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Help us to hear your word today, to listen to it. And this is what we pray. And we said together, amen. All right. Let us focus on this because this gets really important. Now listen carefully. Luke chapter 13, he's the Gentile writer. It's a great book. Beginning with verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues, gathering places, on the Sabbath day of rest. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Interesting condition. But when Jesus saw her, he called to her. He called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Oh, that's amazing. Jesus Christ healed on the Sabbath day. There is nothing better than a touch from God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone to church or been in a gathering of people and they're all worshiping God, but you are just aching with pain and you've suffered with that pain for 18 years and you just, maybe it's somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Maybe it's a physical problem you've had and you're just at the end and you say, oh God, I'm at the end. And suddenly God touches you and heals you. Is that not great? That is wonderful. And Jesus, there's nothing like the touch of God. And I want to tell you something. God still does that today. Now that's important. But look at verse 14. Watch what happens with the religious people. But the ruler of the synagogue, the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to do work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. He was more interested in preserving his religious right than he was in the healing. The leader of the synagogue was more interested in his rules than God's touch. We must follow the Lord Jesus Christ and not worry about our own rules and regulations. 
do you understand that he was more interested in the rules that were made than people getting touched? What? The rules? You worship the rules rather than God. And in the church today, pastors, elders, deacons, we do not need to worship the rules. We need to worship God. The rules are there, but we don't need to worship them. We worship the Lord. And let me tell you something. Every time you begin to understand that, you see that the Lord brings you people. That it's like, yeah, I got to understand the person and love the person. And then things begin to change for you. Very interesting. Fascinating, in fact. All right. Let's go back and let's look at verse 15. Then the Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite. Hypocrite. That's a modern, the modern term of hypocrite is actor. Hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from his stall and lead it away? Loose his oxy or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman being the daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame. And all of the multitudes rejoiced for all of the glorious things that were being done by him. Which brings me to the third point. Listen carefully. Jesus Christ corrected those who were offended by the healing of God. There are people who are offended by that. And Jesus Christ corrected those who were offended by the healing of God. God's healing touch is always a good thing. Only God can heal. Only God. God made us. So our bodies also heal us slowly. But every once in a while, God heals us quickly. That's important to recognize the hand of God. There are people who are watching right now who need a healing. They need a touch from God. They're not even sure God exists. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray today in Jesus' name, the name of Jesus Christ, that your Holy Spirit would descend on us and that they would feel the healing power of God. I don't know how you're going to do it, but some people will heal slowly. Some people will heal instantly. Whatever the case, Lord, touch the people. They need to feel the presence of God today. Help them. And Lord, I pray that as they are healed, that they would contact us by email or write to us or, or something, Lord, and let others know that you moved on their life because you are alive right now. You are here right now. And Father, we thank you for that and we praise your name because you are alive. The Lord Jesus Christ who lives in us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to 
mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And I know that our reading today is Luke 13 to 15, but I want to read ahead a little bit to chapter 23, where Jesus is sentenced to die through a horrible form of death called crucifixion. Now, this fulfilled Old Testament prophecies like Psalm 22:16, Isaiah 53:5, as well as Zechariah 12:10, which all described the Messiah being pierced. But have you ever wondered why Jesus was made to die in this particular manner? Was it just because this was the form of execution in Jesus' day, or is there more to it? Isaiah 53, which is undoubtedly the most controversial passage in Judaism, contains some of the most stunning prophecies about the Messiah. For example, regarding this Savior, Isaiah 53.5 declares, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. This, combined with all the other messianic prophecies, was only fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth, who was pierced through a horrible form of execution known as crucifixion. Amazingly, this Isaiah prophecy was recorded more than 700 years before Jesus was born, and has caused some to wonder why he was destined to be executed in this manner. Was it merely because this was the method of execution in Jesus' day? Rabbi Jason Sobel believes that something as important as the death of God's Son would not be based solely on Rome's proclivity for a brutal means of execution. So what then? Well, to answer this question, we need to understand that through his perfect sacrifice, Jesus was reversing the effects of the curse by taking our sin and the punishment for that sin upon himself. And part of that seems to have also been bearing the physical aspects of it, since virtually every element involved in Christ's crucifixion can be connected to the curse. For example, why did Jesus have to die on a cross, which is also called a tree in scripture? Could it be that since a tree caused the fall, the Son of God also had to die in a tree as the second Adam to reverse the curse caused by the sin of the first man and woman? If so, it also follows that because it was our hands that stole from the tree, Jesus' hands also had to be pierced. And his feet were pierced to fulfill the prophecy of Genesis 3.15, that the Savior's heel would be struck, but in turn the head of the serpent would be crushed. And Jesus' pierced side may have made atonement for the sin of Eve, the one taken from man's side, who led Adam into temptation. Also highly significant is the crown of thorns. By wearing thorns, Jesus was literally bearing the physical sign of the curse. But this isn't the first time he appeared with thorns. When the Lord first revealed himself to Moses in the desert of Midian, he came in a burning bush, or more specifically in Hebrew, a burning thorn bush. Clearly, God identifies with our pain and has a plan of deliverance. At that time, God sent Moses with staff in hand as that deliverer to perform miraculous signs. But God also promised that there would arise another deliverer even greater than Moses. The rod which the Roman soldiers mockingly placed in Jesus' hand during his scourging may then be a physical sign that identifies him as that greater deliverer, none other than the Savior of the world. So when Jesus reversed the curse by becoming sin for us and bearing our punishment on that cross, 
it seems he was also bearing physical aspects of that curse. We went through this in the segment, but let me just give you a little bit of a review of that. The cross or tree seems to represent the tree in the Garden of Eden. And his hands, they might have been pierced because it was our hands who stole from the tree. His feet were pierced in fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. In order to crush the head of the serpent, which is to defeat Satan, his feet had to be bruised. And it could be that Jesus had his side pierced to make atonement for Eve's sin, since Eve was the one taken from Adam's side. Jesus also bore a crown of thorns, which was the physical sign of the curse. God told Adam in Genesis 3.17 that the ground had been cursed and would now bring forth thorns and thistles. And the staff the Romans mockingly put in Jesus' hand during his scourging may have been a symbol connecting him to Moses. Like Moses, Jesus also was a deliverer who performed miraculous signs. The Bible prophesied that another prophet like Moses, but much greater, would arise. Jesus is that prophet, and more than that, the Savior and God himself. In fact, he is. Uh, and that's something that we stress here on this program. It's something that we encourage everybody to understand. And if you understand it, you can come to know him by praying and asking the Lord to come into your heart and, and uh, be the Lord of your life. Understand that he paid the cost of your sin and he rose again on the third day in the flesh. And so that's very, very important. And when you do that, it will change your life, especially if you're serious about it. Mm -hmm. Well, what's yes. the question? Well, it's fun, isn't it? Our Friday fun times. But I have to say in the last six days, if you've been able to watch and if you haven't, you can go to our website, and watch the programs. We have really enjoyed having oh, you here, Brian. Very good. And Pleasure, man. Absolutely. People so much. need to check out where you're at in your church, Kennedy Road Tabernacle. It's in Brampton, Ontario, which is just outside of Toronto, Ontario. But you need to, to check out this church. And this man, you truly are a pastor. Mm -hmm. And you can you can see that and you can feel that. You really do love people. And, and God really has you. You really... Love God by loving others. Right. So thank you. Thank Thanks. you for doing that. I appreciate it. And now I'm yeah. going to put you on the spot. I thought you were going to sing earlier. Too, the last <laughs> you know, segment. we almost you started to sing. I stuff. almost did. I was going to start. So we're going to have to If have I have back. a piano, yes. I would have done it. We'll be there. Right. We, we will be there. We'll, we'll do a duet. All right. So here's the question. After Christ's birth was announced to her, which relative did Mary go to stay with for about three months? So after Christ's birth was announced to Mary, where did she go? Who did she go to visit? It was a relative of hers. Was it number one, Sarah, two, Anna, or three, Elizabeth? Who was the relative that Mary went to visit for, for about three months? What Papa Bear? Say you? Go ahead. Papa Bear. Oh, it's going to come to yeah. me. It comes back to you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go with Elizabeth. Are you? Okay. What, we what agree. We can that's, that's it. Is. Yeah. Yeah. You're sure. Yeah. You don't need to phone a friend no. or anything like that. No. You're good to no. go. Okay. Well, so that we can have more time with Brian. If you guessed Elizabeth, you are absolutely right. Check me out on that. It's Luke chapter one, verses 39 to 45 tells yep. the story and also verse 56. Check it out. Awesome. Brian, All right. Brian All right. Como is with Elizabeth. Kennedy Road Tabernacle down in Brampton, Ontario, Canada. And uh, he's a great pastor, but he's from Louisiana, but he's awesome. We talked about his wife. We talked about everybody. But what about your son? Uh, Tyler, now, Tyler was with us for uh, right at four or five years, four years, four and a half years. He's now at Life Church in Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, they have they have 43 different locations. Uh, he's at one of the campuses in uh, Northland, Kansas City, mm -hmm. Missouri part. 
loves it there. He's about to be kind of in the transition of putting him at a, a permanent campus. So it's, uh, I just love it. You know, it's like, you know, you love your son here. It, you see them grow. They become their own men. They have their families. They they make great responsibility. You, you're making great choices, right? <laughs> I just doing my just, best. I just yeah. want to make sure because <laughs> I don't want dad to fuss at me. <laughs> but he has a family. He has two kids. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful wife. And uh, like that's another story of her life and how God saved her at our church. Uh, but he's he's growing. He's on his own. He's doing his. You know, how old are his kids? Uh, Thea is four, and uh, Luca is two. Oh, so nothing like being grandparents. Oh right? my lord! And then you know they lived here for five years, so Kim would have a routine of taking them to the park. Saturday morning prayer, she'd go to their house. She'd you know go let's go see the train take off, and no more of that. So shame on shame on you, Tyler, <laughs> <laughs> leaving me for some big church. I don't know. Well, that's that's really good. And uh, as the pastor of the church. Uh, there, you have a lot of visitors. Right. Uh, Toronto and the area is considered, was voted recently the most multicultural city right. in North America. Oh, big. And so you've got a lot of cultures coming in. Right. What would you say to them right now? Somebody who's watching from the Brampton area, from the Toronto area. From, right. And they've never come to your church. Right. They've never come to church. Maybe. What right. would you say? Well, we're just, we're, we're a group of people that's for every person. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to get on this little routine of saying something that's just so right, cliche, Christian-wise. But the church is the church, and the church is for everyone. And it's anybody who's lost and doesn't have hope or a future or a purpose in their life. The church, God, gives us that purpose. Uh, you have, in our church, the diversity is, is massive. Nigerians, Jamaicans, Trinidads, uh, those from uh, India, uh, great, great uh, Italians, Germans, it's it just, it's everybody. And to me, that's like Louisiana. It's like you got a just, it's a gumbo mix of everyone together. That makes the church for me. I'd just be very concerned if it was just all white or if it was just all black or if it was all brown people, but it's all of us. It's heaven, what it's going to be like. And I just encourage you, if you don't have a church home, if you're not at a place, you know, if you do have some place, lock in there, be faithful, uh, pray for your pastor, pray for the church. But if you don't, you're in the Brampton area, Mississauga area, uh, Caledon area. We have a campus there. Uh, just give us just one chance. Uh, I think if you come, our people are very friendly. But the important part is that the word is preached. And I think we believe that God will do what he says he will do. And uh, I think that's the, the biggest thing we, we have offered. So you have the school and that's, yep. that's in Caledon, right. which is several miles away. Um, and uh, John brings you over. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he's great. But uh, you, what time does that service start? That's at 1030. So 9 o'clock at the uh, Brampton campus, campus mm-hmm. uh, 1030 at Callan campus, and 12 o'clock at Brampton. Three services on a Sunday. Right. Okay, right. very good. During the week, do you have any services? Midweek services. Wednesday night, like right now, we're in 21 days of prayer. So we'll do everyone's on uh, prayer routine from Version. Wednesday nights is our big service. Like tonight's going to be our big service in the sanctuary. Uh, and then we have things throughout the week. Saturday is always our, our time of prayer. And it's amazing. You know, the, when I first got there, it's a small group of people meeting together. And now it's been built up to, you know, it's a little bit over 100-something people come on Saturday mornings. Well, that's mm. excellent. Very good. Power of prayer. It, it really is true. And I think, things. oh, it's everything. 
One of the things that's uh, important is that we see the church in these times after the pandemic and everything else. There are churches that are growing, yeah. churches that are building. Right. There's a lot of there's 5000 churches in the US that have gone out of business, but there's churches like this and others that are growing because they they preach the word. Well, that to Rod and to when that pandemic hit, we just immediately thought everything changed. All job titles changed, all divert, you know, the, what our responsibilities are. We made masks for the, the hospitals in town. We gave out food for those who are in needy. We went to Regen where it's clothing, uh, food, stuff. So you just, if, if we're just all into the building, then the church falls apart. And you're thinking, okay, why isn't anybody coming? Well, if you don't go to them, why would they want to come to you? That's my thinking. It's, and I'm just a simple cage of mind where, and sometimes my mind gets weak. I need some more crawfish or crabs or <laughs> anything boiled, which I can't, I, Janice, I cannot find anywhere in this area. So, well, that's, no, that's great. And uh, so it's important that Kennedy Road Tabernacle, 141 Kennedy Road North, right. that's excellent, uh, a wonderful church. And uh, we need to pray for you. We need to ask the Lord to touch you, yeah. touch the church. Right. So we're going to do that right now. And we're going to ask the Lord to give you a special mm. message and a special ability over the next several years okay. just to help the church. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what we pray. Be with Brian, be with mm. Vicki, be with them, Lord, and help them in the church. Be with the staff in the church. Yeah. I pray, Lord, for the volunteers all of the great people in that church it's such an amazing mm. place but it's amazing because of your holy spirit yeah. fill them with your holy spirit and may the spirit of god be strong there lord and give them ability through whatever comes to be stand to stand firm like the tree in his front yard mm -hmm. the things come but they hold on to the tree because right. the tree holds in. Right. And be with Brian and touch him. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as you do that, they would feel it and they would understand right. that their citizenship is in heaven. Right. And all of the people who go there, help them to realize that. Mm -hmm. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is what we ask. Amen. And we all said together, Amen. 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 Yeah, yeah, it's Kim. not Vicky. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's, not it's Kim. Did yeah. I say Vicky? Yeah, you said Vicky. That, that's going to really frustrate my wife. But, uh, <laughs> There I'm is sorry, no, there sorry, is no Kim, Vicky. Yeah, Kim, Kimberly, <laughs> K I M B A L Y. All right, very good. As we pray today, let's think about this because it's important. We've been watching prayers on the screen, but let's focus our attention and say, Lord, I need to align my spirit with your Holy Spirit. I don't need to align my spirit with this rule and that rule and every other rule. I need to align my spirit with your Holy Spirit. Come into my life and make me right today in Jesus name. Amen.